Welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. I'm Andy Wood. And I'm Jesse Case. And uh, we, 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 let's just jump straight into our guest, because we have our first kid in the hall, uh, yes. and, and news radio cast member, and the wrong guy, and a thousand other great things. It's Dave Foley. Whoa, hi. This is exciting for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> this is a real treat for you all. Oh, my yeah, this is <laughs> oh when I, I hear that list of credits, I, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, thanks so much for joining us, Dave. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. It's a, uh, it's, uh, I'm going to say it's a delight. I'm saying that in advance of it actually being delightful. Uh, but there, I'm on the record. It's like putting it out on a vision board or something. Now you've uh, secreted that into existence. Absolutely. Um, so, D- Dave, you just had a situation where you had to close your window because of New York noise. Are you in New York at the moment? Well, I didn't, clo- I didn't close it yet. Oh, let's keep the ambience. I got trains coming by. I'll have I'm I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, like a blues man, like oh. next to a train track. Well, you know, oh, there, well, there's going to be pickers outside your window any time. There's going to be people picking and grinning <laughs> yeah. Yeah. in no time. Oh yeah, because in no time. Because one thing My, I know about Nashville is everyone there is the best musician in the world. Yeah, everyone. No, it's, it's ridiculous. Like your your waiter is playing Beethoven on upright bass, and you're just kind of yeah, it's, hanging out. It's um, the craziest town musically. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty nuts. Um, uh, Jesse's dad is a bluegrass musician called Lizard. Really? So it's true. Well, and I know we're not. This is off topic, but I I contend there is no such thing as a bad bluegrass song. Huh? I've never heard one. I've never heard a bad bluegrass song. Does that also mean no blue, bad bluegrass players, or just no bad bluegrass songs? Well, maybe the ones who uh, can't play well enough never get recorded. But, okay. uh, or maybe they just drop down to a different music yeah. genre. But I can't think. Like I've listened to like uh, my bluegrass radio on on like my Pandora app. Yeah. For like twelve, fifteen hours straight, not <laughs> one bad song. Yeah, and there's there's such a weirdly high death count in bluegrass. It's the most bummer lyrics. <laughs> really? Just, yeah. yeah. It's all just like a, a a snake bit the baby again. Like it's all crazy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, it's, well, it's like there's that classic country genre too of just songs about murdering women. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And John Lennon songs. Like yeah. He, oh yeah. <laughs> bridged that gap. Yeah. Yeah. That was the main influence uh, there. It's, it's interesting too. Cause, and Dave, this might be related to now, as I understand it, well, this is actually kind of weird. My grandmother and your mother may have known each other in Stafford. Really? Wow. Yeah. My grandmother immigrated to Port Arthur before it was Thunder Bay. Uh-huh. And then I'm from Kingston. Oh. But I know that there was sort of this weird Stafford group that, like, knew each other and then would occasionally catch up in Canada. Wow. I'm not sure of any of that. You know it's, what I mean? You know, it's possible they did know each other in Stafford, but my mother was not a very sociable woman. And, nor, nor was my grandmother, and, so maybe they, maybe they disliked each other greatly. Yeah, or at the, or at, just, at the yeah. grocery store. My mom just know? never seemed to bother to make friends. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Canadian moms don't make friends. No, um, they don't have any. Yeah, but a lot of that immigration influence I've found, like the the Irish, like the you know the the British Empire, in <laughs> coming coming over to Canada and then the Appalachians. And then bluegrass and all. It's like super related. So bluegrass is so like uh, 
I don't know. It's like people leaving famine and then singing about snakes. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Is, is there yeah. a Canadian a tradition of something bluegrass adjacent? Uh, maybe Acadian music. Okay. Which, of course, was the, uh, the, the people who founded the C- Cajun culture Cajun, in uh, right, New Orleans, right. or where the Acadians, uh, French uh, group out of Nova Scotia. So accordions and, and yeah. such? No, yeah. Acadians. Acadians. Oh, okay. Acadians. <laughs> yeah. Um, are you guys getting this weird sound coming through? What one? a little scratch on a microphone. Scratching situation. Matt, is that you? What are no, you? that was I wonder me. If wonder if it's me. Maybe it's me. My microphone may have shifted. No, sometimes Matt, the reason we can't zoom this anymore is because Matt does a Jeffrey Tubin sort of thing. Um, <laughs> so he... <laughs> we've had to quit zooming. With it, so yeah. don't worry about him. You'll hear some weird noises. Yeah. Well, you should get, yes, at least uh, get some sort of a filter for the zipper sound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, Dave, something we like to ask all of our guests. Well, and, and also we, well, if it's not specific to me, I'm not interested. But go on. <laughs> okay, fair No, fair enough. Um, we, li- we like to ask, uh, and then, you know, because we, we got to talk about uh, upcoming Kids in the Hall stuff. We got to talk about all that. Um, but what, if anything... Since it's a science podcast, in theory, what's your science background? Uh, it could be a class you liked as a kid, just blowing things up with friends in the woods, whatever. Just something you enjoyed or... Well, it's very vague. I'll, I'll tell you that I have uh, no scientific training because I'm a high school dropout and I failed science in school. Uh, but I've always loved science. So I think, I think there, was an, there was a failure in the educational system. Because I've always been obsessed with science, have grown up watching every science documentary I could. I could. Uh, I'm dyslexic, so reading scientific journals is a little bit of a trial. But I can read. I've always read every popular scientific magazine on the market. This is this is surprisingly common thing that has come up in our show over the years of just with comedians who who are. Sp- like smart, interested in the subject, and completely failed by school. Yeah. So this, I mean, I, so this happened to. This is something I noticed recently working. So I so I I dropped out of high school as well, and then recently with my zero degree during the pandemic, worked on the uh, a vaccine clinical trials, the Moderna trials, um, just as basically as a gopher. But I was, you know, it's like. I was so fascinated by everything. I loved it, and it just made me furious at my biology teacher, yeah, for making it boring and it dry and horrible. Like I was like, "This is the most fascinating. I've, this is amazing." Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I used. And I was to get, so angry. I used to get into trouble because because uh, when I, I was, of course, in school in the seventies, and I would ask things like, well, "How do you know the atom looks like that?" And they would say, just memorize the diagram. And, and <laughs> right. of course, now in my 50s, uh, it's common knowledge that the atom doesn't look anything like that. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> there, is no, there are no electrons in you know, these orbits around the, the you know, the, uh, you know, around the... the yeah, the, the, it, it's, it doesn't like look like a planet orbiting a sun yeah. or anything like that. It's, yeah. But isn't, isn't that also annoying, though, is that, like, Pluto's not a planet, and yeah. there's no more food pyramid. It's like none of us had to go to school till fifth grade, Yeah, oh, basically. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. all oh, – they, yeah. oh. they took away all of it, oh. and yeah. it's like we could have taken those years off. Yeah, yeah there's that's, very little that's, that's relevant anymore. Well, that's definitely the, – the, the structure of atoms is definitely something that 
every stage in science at school, they basically tell you, actually, it's the thing we told you last year was a little bit of a simplification. It's actually this. And then a year later, they tell you exactly the same thing. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, yeah it's like... But I mean, like, you're supposed to explain probability clouds to uh, a six-year-old? Like, I, I, I don't know how, what's the alternative? Yeah, or I guess just have put the word kind of in the kind description of. each time. So it's, now, it's kind of like now. this. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it would have made more sense than, this, the, than the, these little mini, mini uh, solar systems. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they still could have, but also, this shows bad teaching, because they still could have told you a bunch of the reasons why we know kind of why it's like that. Like, they yeah. could have told you, was it Rutherford? I think it was the Rutherford like gold foil experiment which is how they discovered first that atoms are mostly empty space mm-hmm. um it was was i think it was firing i'm gonna get this wrong but i think it was like firing electrons through um a very very thin sheet of gold and most of it passes through unscathed mm-hmm. uh, and that's how they then that's how he, he deduced that yeah well his first theory was that gold didn't exist <laughs> Um, by, by the way, so all of us for homework, we watched uh, The Wrong Guy last night. Oh, well, I hope I'm it was it homework. I, I wasn't too arduous. No, I didn't. No, yes, yes. This, that, that fucking slog. Um, we had to do that. And I, I've, been, I, I, I've been telling people to watch this for a while. And because uh, it I is. Know, I don't know how I No, I, it. I hadn't yeah. seen it and I felt awful for not seeing it. And uh, the, the gold doesn't exist thing reminded me of the. Um, the Kennedy no bullet theory. I lost it. I absolutely lost it um, in the hitchhiking scene. His head just yeah. did that. Like, yeah. like had to. Yeah, his head just did that. I had to pause. Yeah. I had to like walk around the room. You know, it's so funny. I got to give credit to Jay Kogan for that. Guy. That was like uh, the, the script was written by myself and Jay Kogan and Dave Higgins, and uh, the no bullet theory was was all Jay Kogan. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's. Very, it is start to finish an incredibly yes. so, funny and silly film. It's great. So Thanks. so joke dense. Yeah, I it can't is. My, it's my proudest until. failure, I think. But I think there's still there's still time. There's still time. <laughs> if our listeners could just band together, write to their congressmen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's got to be a way we can get like a 4K transfer of this up. If Henry that is just, or Edward that is the absolute, is listening. Yeah, it's kind of the platonic ideal of the film that got buried by. A studio change like a change of exec was yes it? it was just it was it was yeah the, uh, they shut down hollywood pictures then reopened it with someone else running it who basically buried everything the previous guy had greenlit <sighs> it's just uh, if listeners okay we watched it on H- on youtube which i matt told me you don't mind if people do because oh, there's no. no other place to see it although you can now buy you can get it on blu-ray now i think kino oh, lorber okay. well kino lorber did release a version of it on blu-ray Okay, we'll link to that. But the wrong guy. Yeah. It is the '90s comedy you didn't know you loved, and I mean, it's, it's yeah. it should be up there in the pantheon with, like, Tommy Boy, Dirty Work, Austin Powers, Billy Madison. Like, it's it's Dumb and Dumber. Well, like, it's it's like it's you know it's it's a great '90s comedy. Yeah. that everyone should have seen. We it's were so we were fun. trying to write we were trying to write our version of the jerk. When yeah, we were doing it's also it. the yeah. jerk. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just uh, no, it's just. So joked. It's like what? What are you hauling? It's like ten tons of tainted ham. Like it's, and then I'm just like, <laughs> it's so stupid. And I, uh, I, I mean that in the highest compliment. Well, that yeah, was the like goal. That was the yeah, goal. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess the killer isn't yeah. in this French restaurant either. <laughs> yeah. So I would, yeah, man. I would suggest watch it on YouTube, and if you really like it, get the get the Blu-ray because you because because it's actually really well photographed too. 
by the okay. uh, by by Dave Macon who shot all the Kids in the Hall stuff. Oh, very uh, cool. So it's a really the cinematography is really is really good if you if you if you enjoy the movie and you also like uh, pretty pictures. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there any way I don't know how these things work like who would have to make it their project to get this on a streaming platform? Like how is that in the cards possibly or I, I have no idea cuz I know for years and years we kept trying to get Disney to at least acknowledge they owned it so they we could sell it to someone else. <laughs> and they wouldn't do it. Uh, <laughs> So like like we kept saying you know we have we we actually had companies that wanted to buy the movie uh, after Disney shelved it but they wouldn't they wouldn't sell it. Oh my God. Yeah, because they didn't want well, somebody else good. to make money off it. Well, they they were afraid that if somebody else distributed it, it might be a hit and then they would look stupid. Man, it's so criminal. It's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, my we'll my, my career is slightly cursed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think it's a. Uh... Well, I get it. For, I get it. We all get it. <laughs> but I think it's 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 uh, wouldn't you? I mean, perhaps not financially, but wouldn't you rather rather be a have the hardcore people that that get it? Wouldn't you rather be a cult star? Um, no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Fair. I, I Completely would, fair. I would much, I would much rather that the wrong guy launched a film career for me, as as opposed to ending one. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Fair, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah fair, yeah. you know. Okay, well, <laughs> but well, it is amazingly funny, and, and especially after remember that when we actually when we written the script, the script be, was was being pirated all over town. Like people were copying it, and sending it around to everyone uh, before we made the movie. And at one point, uh, Jim Carrey's management wanted to buy it as a Jim Carrey project, and uh, and we very foolishly said no. So. Mm. I mean, foolishly financially, but also yeah. you wouldn't have been in this film that's great. No, and, I'm, and I, as I say, it is my proudest failure. I mean, that's, what my, that's what my parents have always called me. <laughs> <laughs> um, very interesting. But there's a flip Jesse? side to that story where... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, what were you going to say? No, I'm just saying, like, you, you did the thing that Stallone did with Rocky, and you don't know which way it's going to go. Right? Of course, I mean, you got to do it. Yeah. Yep. No, no. You got to. You got to do it. Yeah, we wanted to make it with with me and Dave Higgins in it, and that was what we went for. Well, you made a great film. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, for what it's for what it's worth, I know that you know. Uh, you know Jesse found a film related story that's also from CBC, so it's it that extra Canadian edge. Oh yeah, uh, you guys want to do ah. a story? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we put the links in the if you on the page as well if you you, you can click on it, but. Um, Early humans might have enjoyed animated rock art by Firelight. Oh, oh, oh I see. I got a link here. So I click on this link. I won't be disconnected from you. You, you will not no, be disconnected. Open a new tab. All so right. Hunter gatherers might have enjoyed dynamic moving pictures many thousands of years before the first movie was shown, <laughs> according to new research from the University of York and Durham uh, archaeologists who examined 50 engraved limestone tablets created 15,000 years ago and found the artworks have uniform patterns of heat damage, suggesting they are placed near fire. By recreating an ancient fireside scene, researchers <laughs> found that the stones, when placed by the flickering light of fire, create the illusion of animated pictures. Wow. And, and I, this is from a Quirks and Quirks story, which is a show I've listened to since childhood. Um, ah. It's oh, one of that? the best science shows on, on, that you can listen to. I would recommend it to everyone. Um, okay. You can w listen to it on podcast form. 
But um, oh, sweet. But I know there's a there's an element to the story that isn't mentioned here is that around the same time they found evidence that uh, there was an early Comic Con as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've seen. Well, I've seen rock art of the early Comic Con. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of like, yeah, a lot of uh, people doing, uh, you know, uh, what do they call it? cosplay, and uh, and it's and it's actually how the earliest uh, nerds reproduced. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. It's everyone did Flintstones. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't creative right, right. creative cosplay, but no, yeah, cosplay, yes, yeah, because yeah. that is also a, a a full stereotype that people have from the outside looking in is like, oh, they're like, oh, look at them, they're not fucking, they're all fucking. No, oh, there's yeah. a there's a lot of boning that goes on at comic cons and all of the cons. Well, like, that, what's all... the what's the point of of all the dress up if not for? I mean, it's it's the same as Halloween. It's yeah. like you don't. There's no point in being a sexy nurse. You're it's yeah. it's you're doing role play stuff. No, I mean, uh, Comic Con is the equivalent of the Swallows returning to Capistrano. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, the yearly. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need a calendar. You feel in your heart yeah. when Comic Con is coming yeah. up, and you sort of just start drifting. But I got that way. Yeah, but back on the story, I gotta say it is pretty amazing, uh, and I guess it, it shows, you know, the ingenuity of that. That early man was obviously looking at the effects of light and studying, and I guess you could say that they made the leap from watching like shadows from flame, just you know, and and thinking they saw images in them, to actually trying to manipulate those images. Right. So it's yeah, pretty it, impressive. It 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 is. So they they were unearthed in France in the 1860s. So had them for a good century and a half, and they're engaged engraved with designs of animals like reindeer, horse, and bison thought to be engraved with flint tools by an early hunter-gatherer culture dating from between 23,000 and 14,000 years ago. And a mm-hmm. dancing mermaid lady, which is... <laughs> well, I was going to say, <laughs> well, a, a hula if, lady. <laughs> if fire, fire was our first technology, I guess, uh, well, I guess that's not true. Stone tools would be our first technology. But one of our earliest technologies was fire. And uh, as with all technologies, I'm just surprised it wasn't first used for porn. So, of <laughs> well, I think it was. I mean, I'm convinced that the first. I'm I'm convinced the invention of the wheel was just a new thing to fuck. Like it didn't, <laughs> yeah. it didn't occur to them we could move with it. They're just like yeah. you can hold this thing. It's crazy. In fact, they just yeah. they discovered it could be used for transportation when uh, they were trying to fuck it on an incline and it rolled yeah. away. <laughs> yeah, a and guy went, hey. a guy rolled down a hill. <laughs> Yeah, that's how they discovered braking too. Yeah. The guy was in the. <laughs> that's in actually the... why they call it coming. I don't know if you guys know that. <laughs> uh... It was called going for a while. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, no. I think even even when early humans discovered the opposable thumb, we almost went extinct for masturbation. <laughs> yes, I think that was the first way before Disco- discovered the opposable thumb. <laughs> yeah, way be- way before we made tools. It was just sitting in a field. Yeah, I can yeah. pick up an object. Or hello. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think it was about ten thousand years before someone's like, we can make other stuff to yeah. fuck with these thumbs. Yeah, and that's why <laughs> women women didn't discover the opposable thumb till centuries later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, just wasn't relevant. But they, but their mastery of the middle finger was was phenomenal. <laughs> yes, yes. Er- <laughs> The thumb is a myth. Um, So, guys, humans. Here's the deal. You know, they've uh, these were engraved between twenty three thousand and fourteen thousand years ago by people known as the Magdalenian people. 
mm. um, which you can you know, watch now on Disney Plus. And Andy <laughs> Needham, he's an associate lecturer at the University of York's Department of Archaeology, said he and his team of researchers first had to determine what caused the heat damage found on these stone engravings and whether it was intentional. Because, you know, humans have been painting and scratching lines on rock faces for millennia. Uh, but the reason why has remained a mystery. And uh, he said that other flat stones around, uh, found across Europe may have had practical uses, such as flooring or stones for surrounding hearths. But the, anal- the ones analyzed in the study have no such obvious use. So to test whether the heat damage on these stones was intentional, the researchers recreated what a fireside scene might have been like 15,000 years ago. They started their own fires using sharp flint stones to carve their own images on replica plaquettes and then placed their stone artworks in various configurations near the hearth, some functional, like under the fire, um, others around the hearth, arranged so the images would be visible by firelight. I wonder how uh, like fully into the recreation they went to. Right. Like, well, did they dress up as well? Are we getting are back into grunting? cosplay situations? They also, don't, they also don't mention here they murdered an interloper. <laughs> 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 uh, we we all remember the York murder trials, yeah, um, the yeah, York interloper murder trials. Um, it's just someone from the next lab over asking if they wanted tea. It was uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. but yet, just you, putting the kettle on that, and they just you, went at it with a bone. You gotta, it was a blood you, fest. You got to protect your community. That's all you got. You know. <laughs> um. So. Uh, oh, let's get the, the so main they, insight yeah. here. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Man. Yeah, they they analyzed heat damage patterns created by the fire in various scenarios, and they found that this coloration found on these Magdalenian plaquettes was intentional, and caused by being placed around the hearth in a semicircle, suggesting the engraved stones were meant to be on display. Uh, and then they, in the process of recreating the Paleolithic art, they discover the process of making and viewing artwork by the firelight gives the impression of moving images. Wow. Okay. I kind of want to see it. I'd like to see a video of this. I'd like I to see a reconstruction like of yeah. it. Yeah. So the the experiment gave researchers clues as to what was happening to early humans' brains. Um, flickering shadows and light enhance the human's capacity to see forms and faces in inanimate objects. The phenomenon called per, uh, ooh. pareidolia. Pareidolia. Yeah, sure. Pareidolia. Pareidolia. I think it's pareidolia. That's what I've heard. Is that the same? Is that the same uh, uh, phenomenon of like seeing? Yeah, is that the same phenomenon as like seeing faces in clouds and? Yes, that's that's exactly what it is. That's a good call, Dave Foley. That's uh, exactly what it is. And uh, so Needham suggests that this pareidolia, an evolutionary capacity that protected early humans from predators, was repurposed to create a dynamic artistic experience. Um, evolutionary, uh, evolutionarily speaking, this makes a lot of sense, he said. If you think you see an animal in some dense scrubland, for example, it's better to see it run away than not. In the case of a firelight art display, early humans may have seen things that aren't quite there, but it created the illusion of animation. Um, they would also play Dark Side of the Moon while they did this. Which <laughs> is, gotta line it up right, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah it lines up. It lines yeah. up with the, with the plaques. Yeah. <laughs> And the um, saber-toothed tiger roars. You got to start the. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Um, <laughs> Needham said there was likely an important social dimension to the engraved stone artworks. The researchers learned during their experiment that some people are more skilled at engraved art than others. They also learned that the York fire escape system needs work. Um, <laughs> Needham believes some of the more talented early human artists may have taught others how to engrave stones by the fire. Uh, I guess that makes sense. You would do it. I guess you would do it by firelight instead of the day. 
to see the reaction immediately, perhaps. I would guess, yeah, I would guess so. Probably you also have it, things to do in the day. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, and you could, that way you could adjust as you're, as you're engraving. Mm-hmm. You, you, know, could you, make the, you, you could make the hula lady dance a little more. Yes. <laughs> um, so we know that during the Magdalenian period, the hearth would have been a central social space. You could cook, share stories, work on different tasks, gear up for the next day. He said the people gathering together to engrave stones and view them by firelight could be seen as the ancient equivalent of going to the movies with your family. Yeah. Uh, there there just, is people making out in the back, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, your, and your dad always falls asleep during it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Some guy's coughing. And it's like, come on, man. We're... Yeah, what else What else has that ox been in? You're like, oh, it <laughs> yeah. was the... <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Is that the same? No, that's a different... That's not the same ox from before. That's a different ox. And this is... <laughs> yeah. And then, and then the one person saying, can we talk about this after? <laughs> Down in front. Yeah. No, just wind back the fire. Go, you've got to go back because you just talked all over that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. We, there is a, a related email or semi-related email. So we last episode and several other episodes, we, we were talking about Aphantasia again, which I don't know if you, you're familiar with this, Dave, but this is some people don't have an, a visual... Uh, um, what is it? Sort of the ability to visualize things. Oh, yeah, they can't, ah. they can't picture things. I have heard of that. That's in, yes. So we we were asking, uh, you know, what what it's like. Do you, do you dream with pictures? And what's it actually like to sort of Im- remember what people look like? So one of our listeners, Stephen Thompson, wrote in uh, from Dublin and said, uh, "Stephen's completely uh, aphantic or aphantasic. Isn't he's guessing at the adjective." And he's known since a fairly young age because of the picture sheep jumping over a fence advice to fall asleep made no sense to him. Uh, so, but despite not being believed, he was aware, I was, he says, I was aware of it being a thing before I knew there was a name for it or before its recent studies. The best way I've been able to describe it, because this is what we want to know. We want like, what's it actually like for you? How do you uh, describe it? He's got a good analogy here. He says, it's like having your PC, uh, like your computer turned on, the, C- the CPU's processing information and data, but the monitor, the screen is turned off. So memory banks are okay. Processing is fine as far as I can tell. RAM is available. The data is available and can be recalled just the same, but the screen is always off. I can describe someone because I have the same information stored as anyone else. Show me a picture once and then show me again and I'll recognize it. Take the picture away and I can describe it, but without picturing the image in my head because the screen is off. Uh, The information is there. Black hair, purple eyes, uh, breathing noxious gases. I could even draw you uh, whichever politician it is we're describing and do so as averagely as the next person because I know what I'm drawing, but I can't see it in advance. I can only describe it. Uh... What was the noxious? Is it a political joke? What, what I think that's the? a you know, that's a joke about what the person's doing. Uh, but yeah. um, is this this is obviously the person that was the police sketch artist for the Unabomber? They, <laughs> <laughs> they just just hoodie and hoodie and glasses. Uh, did you see when uh, Norm Macdonald did that character on SNL that was the sketch artist who did that? No, no. And he's oh. just, the, the premise was he just isn't good with eyes and hair, and they showed other work of his, and it was always <laughs> someone with a hat and sunglasses. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, wow. Uh, he also says he doesn't, dreams are quite rare f- for him, and he's not great at sleeping. So I don't know if he doesn't know if there's any correlation there. Mm. But, mm. but yeah, that's, that's an interesting description of 
So in answer to the question we had last week, yes, he can perfectly find draw someone from memory. Yeah, but, but we, just if, can't visualize them in, in but, head first. But if it affects dreaming, how does that affect uh, consolidating new skills and new in, in information? Yeah, that's, that's a good. Because that's all usually done during dream state. That is. That's a great question. But I, I would, I would have thought it would be roughly the same. Just again to sort of use the analogy he's he gave. It's still his computer is still doing all that same processing. It's just mm-hmm. not flashing the picture yeah, up in front it's, of it's, his yeah. eyes. It's, so, he, so he is it's dreaming, dreaming, but he's not aware of the dream. He's dreaming in in text. A weird thing is when he does REM at karaoke, he has a panic attack. <laughs> um, it's too much. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, it's, I mean, it's so hard to empathize. You can sympathize, but it's so hard to empathize because because they're unlikable people. These people, <laughs> right? They're subhuman. Yeah, they're subhuman. Yeah. What are they called? A aphantasia. What is it called? Aphan- yeah, aphantasia is the condition. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're horrible. Why? Why yeah. would you empathize? With you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah. like it's like trying to it's uh, it's like trying to imagine having a dif- losing a sense or something. Yeah. Or well, it's I, like, or uh, try to imagine um, the you know being unable to <clears throat> recognize faces, to be able, you know be able to see all the details of a face, but not be able to see a face. Right. Yeah, which which is sense. a that that's also there are people with complete face blindness as yes. well which is another yeah. which is a completely different thing yeah. again which is and you can a, show you can show them a photograph and say okay and you can point to an eye and say what's that that's an eye that's another eye that's a nose that's a mouth okay so what's this a picture of i have no idea <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah. but it, it, it like it um someone i know from back in london has very very strong version of face blindness and it is like it she has all these other techniques to recognize people. She can recognize people by their voice, by their by their gait. Um, the excuses just, people have used to get out of hanging out with Matt are unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. But, I, but it is it is to the level you? of yeah. I have it, a, I have a very mild face blindness. It's like I really can't I recognize people out of a context that I'm used to seeing them in. Like, or if if, if there's somebody I've only seen as a member of a couple, if I see them separately, I don't recognize them. Yeah, that's that's happened to me. Mm. It's something's entirely out of context. You can't really. And then after two years of not seeing people coming back into the world was like, in some cases, I was like, oh, my God, I've known this person for a long time. Who? What is this person's name? Yeah. To be honest, though, I also found that was great in some ways, because when we came back to seeing everyone, firstly, people were wearing masks. A lot of people have completely changed their hair and like, you know, people have grown beards, shaved beards. Um it was just for about half a year. It was the perfect excuse to get away with the fact that I wouldn't have recognized them anyway. Right, right. Yeah, you get a pass for now. Like, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, you've you've yeah. grown out your hair. Yeah, right. Well, well, I had I've a... always learned people by scent. Yeah, you know, I sort of sniff. Uh, <laughs> well, I, sniff greeting. I was going to say recently, I, when I first got to New York, I was in a. I stopped in a restaurant in the village to just to have lunch, and I walked in and I saw saw a man smiling at me. At a table, and I thought, he, well, he looks, he looks familiar. Oh, he must just recognize me. So I went and sat, ate my meal, and uh, and at the end of the meal, that the man came over and, and uh, said hello, and it was Tom Everett Scott, the actor, who oh. I who I actually well I know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> who I've hung I have hung out with, um, and but I didn't recognize him until he told me until he came over and, and said his name, and I went, oh, and then of course the face fell into place immediately. 
So you were signing the autograph, and he was like, uh, Dave, right, yeah. right. Uh, I was like, sir, I'm trying to eat my lunch. <laughs> no, I, no, no, I can't do a photo right now. Yeah, like, it's, your, it's your old college roommate or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you're right. It's me. Yeah. And it's not, a, not only a guy I know, but a, an actor who I'm a fan of, you know? <laughs> wow. Wow. It, it is raised an extra level of difficulty when you're in the public eye, because that those two looks are identical. The... I recognize this person from TV and I recognize this person because we've been to dinner parties together. Yeah. And people used to be, all, when I used to live downtown, I had this happen more than once where people would come up to me and say, uh, and go, hey Dave, what's up? And I would go, and I would not know who they were, but but I used to drink a lot. So uh, I would think <laughs> I must have met them while I was drunk. And, you know, and so I would pretend to go, oh good, how are you doing? And, and then the person would say, you don't even know me, you phony. <laughs> what's, just, what's the goal of that interaction? I don't yeah, know. <laughs> to sucker yeah, yeah. me into to, to being polite it's... to a stranger. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you. Wow. You fool. Yeah. <laughs> See, I told you, I told you all, all those showbiz people are fucking phonies. <laughs> Dave said, Foley can't answer my riddles three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and of course, this is a conversation they're having with an imaginary friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. They're, there, um, another, another Canadian story that, that Jesse also found. Excellent. He's looking around the CBC science section. By the way, so um, that first story, the, the header at the top says Quirks and Quarks, which is the name of that science show you recommended. Mm-hmm. And the header at the top of this one just says Saskatchewan. So <laughs> not, I, as, not as, I don't recommend Saskatchewan on the, on the whole as highly. <laughs> right. The podcast is a horror. Yeah. Yeah. So... So this comes from the science of Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan researchers have made a rare find inside Scotty T-Rex fossil. You're, uh, huh? I guess they Scotty? have a T-Rex fossil named Scotty that everyone knows about there. I think that's oh, okay. what this is. I don't think it's a, a new breed of, you know, it's like Lu- Lucy or something. Okay. By the way, do you have the link for this, Matt? It's oh, in the, I can, it's oh, in the thing. It. Is it in the same oh, link? Oh, I'll, I'll put it it's back in the... It's in the same uh, link, but like this... There you go. There we go. Yeah, yeah, put, it, put it back on the top. There, there. we so, are. No, I've got it now. I, th- I thought I was the only one who couldn't figure it out. <laughs> there, uh, I think actually the link was originally posted before you signed on to the thing, so it doesn't show you the, the previous uh, post. Ah, so, yeah. so this is, uh, yeah, from the, from the University of Regina. Yep, that's... Uh, it, it, means, it means like royalty. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's not, um, yeah, let's not get infantile. Yeah, it's, it's nothing to be... Yeah. I, I wouldn't even know... What, People have to how, live there. <laughs> they are legally obliged. They live there. Yeah. It's like Alaska. You get paid to live there. Yeah. So... Uh-huh. So using a rare, they, a rare discovery they found related to dinosaurs, which would be one of the first of the, its kind in the world if confirmed, using the Canadian light source at the University of Saskatchewan, which... I hope it explains in this article what the Canadian light source is. It's not just like... It's more of a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's 75% the value of an American light source. <laughs> <laughs> they, they found a vast network of blood vessels preserved around a fracture in a rib fossil from Scotty, the, Tyrannosaur, uh, the Tyrannosaurus Rex. We, we were not looking for blood vessels, says University of Regina physics professor Maserio Barbie. It was an accident. Barbie- did, did, you, did you just go Marcerio? You just went for it. You just dove right in on that one. Uh, 
Mauricio, did I? What did I say? Uh, I got Mar- Marcerio, you just you just. Oh, I just it. I just jumped straight over. Sorry, Mauricio Barbie. It's no, Mauricio. no, it's just funny. It's like my uh, my dad is like a. It was very it was very my dad move. Uh, uh, you <laughs> just, know, you listen to that just lady. Take, just take a blind leap at a just name. A and just a blind say it with confidence. leap. Just go so confident. Yeah, I'm. I've been listening to that lady Goo Goo. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> yeah. So Barbie is part of a team that includes the. Um, U of R physics master's student Jarrett Mitchell and Ryan McKellar, the Royal Saskatchewan Museum's curator of invertebrate paleontology. The preserved structure was found while Mitchell was creating an intricate 3D model of the 67 million year old fossil using data from the synchrotron scans, which use bright light to see inside objects at a molecular level. Synchrotron scans just sounds like sci-fi writer mumbo. Like, it just sounds like, oh, we'll just put jargon in here right now. (laughs) Isn't that how they did it? Like when they wrote Star Trek and such, they would. I think they would I'm literally serious, write like on, on the scripts. They would just write jargon and then just you know fill it in later. I, no, I I think I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's correct. Yeah, they they'd write the word. I think it's the word jargon, and then there was a separate team in the production whose job it was to invent jargon. Either yeah, to either invent jargon or check their the show bible of previously used jargon and make sure it was the correct stuff. Mm-hmm. What a job. The, Keep the, it the consistent. Jargon, be on the jargon team. So did the like did the concept of warp drive exist before Star Trek invented the term? That's a good question. I I'm sure a concept like that did, but whether the phrase, whether hmm. they came up with the word the the expression. I know I know that the teleporting the beam me up thing was uh, a budget situation. Yes. Because it, you know to to avoid building models. For transport. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, they're just like, just make them, z- bu- you know, zoom yeah. up or whatever. That's why they rarely, they rarely ever use the uh, shuttle. I know, and I liked those shuttles. Mm-hmm. Um, there is there is some uh, dispute about who invented it, but it, it predates Star Trek. One <laughs> Den of Geek story that I found says it was first used in a story called Flight of the Starling in, amaz- in the Amazing Stories series in 1948 uh-huh. and but then just the word warp or warp drive or warp just the, the phrase warp drive and the general concept was introduced by john w campbell in his 1957 novel islands of space according to wikipedia ah so it was out there there was the the warp it so, was getting out there yeah so star trek is bullshit <laughs> yeah yeah right. <laughs> done nothing yeah uh, All right, oh, so synchrotron. now I found where I'm trying to find where you are in the article. A synchrotron scans. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the synchrotron. A, a, so Mitchell says, actually, I had no idea what it was. As I'm a physicist myself, I was really new to this project and new to paleontology. I just saw this interesting structure that was kind of weaving its way between the normal bone structure. We have to find out what we can do next. What kind of analysis we can do to look into this deeper? And, and Mitchell. And the other the other question is, and what does it tell us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, what, um, like what's the, what is the import of, of seeing these? Well, I mean, so we had to have assumed to, they had blood vessels. Yeah, I'm not sure what the. So, Ottawa paleontologist Jordan Mallon, who wasn't involved in the study, weighs in in this article, and says, for centuries, it's been thought there is effectively no trace of biological tissue in a fossil. That oh, there should I be. Ah. And yet, as we start to put these things under the microscope and look at them with new techniques and look at them in more depth, it turns out that the fossilization process isn't quite as straightforward or maybe not as rapid as we thought it would be. While things such as preserved blood vessels and cells are really rare finds, they do exist. 
Wow. So now can we do a Jurassic Park on this guy? Do right. we have actual cells? I guess there would be no DNA in It's just a fossilized version of the cells. Yeah, yeah there's, no, we're saying, there's DNA in, case, in there now, you know what I'm saying? We're saying <laughs> yeah. no, this, part, this part wasn't fossilized, right? We're saying there's actual yeah, it biological fully, tissue. It wasn't fully fossilized. Oh, it's not. And it said, oh. That's the thing that's shocking about it, yeah. And then it says, so here it is information about Scotty. It's the largest T-Rex skeleton ever found in the world. And it was found in 1991 in Saskatchewan's Frenchman River Valley, which is near East End. Mm -hmm. full, um, mm. There is a full-scale, approximately 15-meter-tall replica of Scotty in the Royal Saskatchewan Museum. The museum has the actual fossils in their care as well. So the, the Canadian light source and a, a synchrotron in general is a type of particle accelerator. It's a specialized particle accelerator. Uh, I see. Okay. Um, accelerates electrons to near the speed of light. Um, but you can use it for, uh, it's a source of electromagnetic radiation. You can use it for imaging. Yeah. Just given that, given that a little Google in the, in, you know. Uh, oh, that wasn't off the dome, Jesse? No, it wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> yeah. off the dome. I have this rare thing where I can't picture, um, particle, particle accelerators. accelerators. Yeah. I have, it's only text. I no. can't dream about them. But have we, have we resolved whether or not there would be DNA in these blood vessels? I, I don't. I don't think there would be DNA. I think that's just that's too. Because Jeff Gold, Jeff Goldblum is here with me, and he's very upset yeah. about it. <laughs> he finds a way into podcasts. Yeah. What? But why wouldn't it? I don't. I don't see why it couldn't be. If they found biological tissue, is there something inherent to DNA that would break down more quickly than well, other parts? Of but it? did they find tissue or just the structure of the tissue? I think it's just the structure. So, so he, right. he says it, it might, their findings relate to how Scotty heals its injuries. Uh, he says one of our hypotheses is that the fracture might be some, might sort of be the cause of seeing this vascular structure. So we don't see this rampant vascular structure in another section of the bone. We only see it around where the fracture is. Mm -hmm. And potentially finding out how dinosaurs healed is notable, particularly in the case of T-Rex and its relatives, because life wasn't easy for them, as we all know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, we think we think we think everyone has it harder these days. But you know, the way if you look, if you you wouldn't want to live like a T Rex did back then. No, no. Well, I mean, even then, just the inflation level was insane. I mean, just the you know, yeah, they the really hours they had, they had to the, work. Yeah, it brought uh, down the government. Yeah, <laughs> and there's just tiny tiny little arms, you know, with that yeah. labor. I mean, well, it says their their facial bones are frequently scarred, which tells us probably at sexual maturity these things were biting one another's faces, maybe for territory, maybe in sexual disputes. So to know something about how they cope with dot, 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 that lifestyle would be interesting. It's a very curious. <laughs> wow. <laughs> a very curious ellipsis. There, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sure it's just an editing thing, but I like to think he's just like staring out the window and, and just trailed off for a little bit. And got back on topic. Yeah. yeah. He then went on to say, you know, I mean, they, I mean, they, they spent a lot of time on Fire Island, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, it's so weird. I hate when I'm out and about and a T-Rex couple tries to buy me a drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. We saw you from. Yeah, it's like, hey, look, I don't, I don't care. Just don't be so obvious about it. Right. <laughs> also, how come they get to just, not, this is about swingers now, uh, the lifestyle, you guys get that whole word that just means that? That's. You can't co-opt a word that general. <laughs> oh, the people, lifestyle. Yeah, the people lifestyle means swinging. And, like, 
Uh, the white supremacists stole the AOK sign. They didn't. That never actually happened. We just bought into it and stopped doing the OK sign. Yeah, but that's what I mean. I don't know if lifestyle. I mean, I still see the word lifestyle used elsewhere all the time. But it, it, it has it, the in front of it. I think it means. That OK, fair enough. But I mean, it's it's enough to make you bail on it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. not doing the AOK sign, even if they didn't really yeah. steal it. Right, right. Well, they did yeah. it wrong. They did it upside down. The OK sign is supposed to be upside. That, no, that's the game where you get someone to look down and then you can punch them. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. The A. Because I thought it had to be a right side up because I thought it was about the the three fingers making a W was like the. Uh, I don't. Power. I don't know any of that. We just never steal their know. stuff. We never steal their stuff, and no. you know what I mean. There's the swingers or the uh, white, uh, white supremacists. White supremacists. Yeah. Just, there's no. You know. There. Like just start start using Confederate flags yeah. at pride parades and stuff. And, well, and, I, I'm re, I'm reclaiming this swastika. I haven't stolen much from the white supremacists, but I do like Hugo uh, boss suits. <laughs> sure, sure. No, everyone loves a good Hugo. Yeah, everyone I mean, they're just great. They're just really well cut, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and and who doesn't look good in an SS uniform? Nobody. Nobody. Sharp you know? dressers. You yeah. Sharp yeah. dressers. They really did. They, you know, they lost the war, but they definitely won the tailoring. They, <laughs> yes. they, they won the game on fashion. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's so, steal, let's steal so their the stuff. The, the team plans to extrapolate its findings from Scotty's rib to other fossils, particularly those with similar fractures. Barbie says he's contacted the Royal Terrell Museum in Drumheller and submitted a proposal for the team through the Canadian Light Source. To test this hypothesis, we want to look into other bones with similar pathological features and see if we can identify something that is also connected. Then if we've narrowed down... Um, by the way, there's another dot, dot, dot there. Uh, to test this hypothesis, we wanted to look into other bones with... <clears throat> similar pathological features. Uh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> if you if you know what I mean. Yeah. If you know, yeah. 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 And by the way, Drumheller is uh basically the dinosaur capital of the world. Oh cool. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's apparently more 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 major finds there than anywhere else. This is in Alberta? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. It's just, I'm just Google image searching Drumheller. It also has some really cool rock formations. Yeah. Yeah, there's some rock formations there where you can, they have they have like the it'll it'll be like a carving out of a cliff face, and um, you'll sort of freak out because it has the time like how long ago each one of these was the surface level, and you know what I mean like, um, you sort of go in this pit, and it it shows like okay hundred million years ago arrow. You know, right, and you keep, right. you keep oh, really? going down the rock face, and then you're just kind of like, "This is overwhelming." You know? Oh yeah. Oh, cool. oh this is yeah. I'm not, I'm, now I'm looking at pictures. It does look like it's got a very alien landscape, but it does look like prehistoric. Yeah. Yeah. World. That's great. Yeah. Like, how far that, is it from any of the major cities in Alberta? Is it like can you get there if you're doing a shop in Calgary or Edmonton? I don't know how far it is from Calgary or Edmonton. Uh, I think it's it. fairly remote. Uh, uh, I it does. It looks like it's not crazy far from Calgary. It's northeast yeah. of it a bit, but um, I mean, it gets such a big. But I, look, I've, I've never even been to Banff whenever I go to Calgary, so that's like only, <laughs> like a half an hour away. It's 133 kilometers from Calgary. Oh, that's not far. That's, that's it's not doable. Bad. No, yeah. it's not yeah. bad. Cool. Put it on the list of Canadian to dos. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. You, you can you can drive it in an hour and a half. There yeah. there seems to be no public transport or or. Google doesn't know any public transport options, but you went straight for a bus, Matt. Why? Yeah, for, that was already it was that was like the automatically selected. Oh, okay. 
the province of Alberta subway system is really terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's being, being flooded with oil. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you could also wa- walk it in in 27 hours, according to Google. Ah. So, or cycle it in about six and a half hours. Yeah. Or just rent a, or rent, a, rent a damn car, Matt. Just, just, <laughs> just rent a car. Yeah. Yeah, you can rent, you can rent a car and drive it in there. Isn't that I would do that. Though, to, go, to go look at fossils using fossil fuels is kind of a fuck you, you know? Yeah. That's like, what <laughs> I'm using your blood, you dick. And then I, you, you go. <laughs> that makes the experience non-kosher, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's really, really uh, kicking them when they're down. Yeah. Hmm. But you know, uh, something that uh, we're all pumped about that's coming up, I know, is a uh, new season of Kids in the Hall, man. I mean, we can't just not talk about that for a second. Yeah. No, yeah. What's what? That's amazing. When, when did this? It's, I mean, are, uh, are, you, are you pumped or is this just like a, is it like a bummer? No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually excited. And I'm, well, it's as excited as I ever get. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't know the dynamic. You know, it could be yeah. like the Eagles reunion where they're all just like, okay. No. You know, I don't. I don't know. No, because they're boring fucks. Yes. Um, <laughs> sure. They so need you, to take it would easy. Would you want to hang out with any of those people? No. Uh, <laughs> no. I mean, the kids in the hall might be awful people, but they're fun. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it strikes me as that. It was. Um, it's. It's like the best. Uh, the best show. Um, right, that's you. so yeah no that's so so cool yeah well, um, no we're excited i was just texting earlier just b- before talking to you guys with mark mckinney uh oh yes that all because the guys are all going to be here in new york we're going to do the tonight show uh next week week after next uh um, oh, sweet but yeah we're excited because we it's uh you know we we kind of started i mean it's, it's i guess it started out it was like like the end of 2018 i sort of started calling Broadway video and saying, you know, it's our 30th anniversary next year. It'd be great if we could do something to uh, commemorate it. And of course we missed that by a few years. Um, <laughs> uh, part, partly because of COVID, but, uh, but yeah, we just really wanted to, you know, we've been, uh, we've been doing these live, t- live tours every few years since 2000. Every three to five years, we'd go on tour. Right. I saw the one you did at the the Ace Hotel in in LA a few years ago. It was great. Yeah, and and for one of the, at least one or two tours, well, one no one tour, we did um, all new material. Like there was no old sketches in it. And, yeah, yeah. And then another tour we did was half uh, half new material and half old sketches. And we and we sort of doing those, we realized, hey, we still actually like writing sketches together, and that kind of got us over our taboo about doing a sketch show again because we, we, we never wanted to we never wanted to like we did a mini series about 10 years ago uh but we kind of always avoided wanting to uh, compete with our old stuff right but uh, we found we were writing these sketches and performing them live that we thought were as good as any of the old sketches we thought well we should try to film them that's yeah. amazing so that I comes out. Is it? That. It's on Amazon, right? I am coming out on Amazon, on uh, or they they want us to say Prime, so that people right. don't know it's Amazon, so that people don't get angry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> people are still confused about how it works. Like, well, so you're going to deliver the episode to my doorstep? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's going to arrive in a box. Yeah, yeah. And is this episode going to drive local industry under? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Mom and Pop sketch troops are just (laughs) going under left and right. Yeah. So they just uh, deliver the sketches too quickly. Like no other company can cope. (laughs) They can't deal with how fast these sketches are coming. Yeah. But there's still is there still a shadowy men on shadowy planet intro? Oh yes. Yep. We actually there's and there's a yeah we shot new a new credit sequence that has the shadowy men in it. Um, And uh, and the shadowy men music is you know dispersed throughout the entire all the episodes so very it's, cool yeah yeah we we, we we it wouldn't be kids in the hall without shadowy men yeah <laughs> it's such a, it's one of the all-time great uh sketch theme songs yep and it was one of the most <laughs> ripped that off that many of those but yeah. it was for a while the most ripped off theme song uh on television like every show on tv yeah. had a ripoff of uh having an average weekend like the daily show had a look at oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. which everything didn't... everything was a, a fender reverb yeah, it was. Yeah. All... Did, did Bob <laughs> did Bob Mool do the Daily Show one? I want to say it was his original. Yeah, the the original uh, uh, piece was a Bob Mool piece, but it was a ripoff of yours essentially. But they well they also stylistically re, they re, they re recorded it and engineered it to sound as much like the Shadowy Men as possible. Right, <laughs> and Mr. Show as like, a little. I mean, it's a little more like spooky sounding, but yeah, you know, little a little similar. Yeah, hmm. but definitely that uh, that whammy bar guitar. You know, yeah. was a big part yeah. of that—that that kind of surf punk sound. Yeah. No, I always um, like loved that. You know, <laughs> I was so, so it, it was so weird that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I always loved it. I always yeah. loved the music. Well, we—that's one of the things. One of the things that we all, when we first were doing our HBO special that became the pilot for the show, it was. Uh, I know we all we very adamantly insisted we needed to use the Shadowy Men music, and I think Lauren thought it sounded like stripper music. Uh, <laughs> so we didn't know why we wanted to use this stripper music. Is I don't right? hear stripper in that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But he, I, I never heard him say that directly. But that's what I was told. Mm-hmm. Uh, Make it less strippery, maybe. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Lauren likes the horn section. You know. Okay. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Like old showbiz kind of vibe. Yeah. Like full brass. Yeah. It's just you know, which I I love a horn section too, but you know, but we were. Uh, that's not what the show was. No. SNL had that. Yeah, we were we were more of a yeah we were more of a stripped down punk unit. Yeah, yeah. Like so the, when, the, when the dirty actually... cousins under the underground cousins. Yeah. When did you actually uh, shoot these this latest season? Uh, we shot last oh, spring into summer. I guess it was a uh, yeah last. I guess mostly last summer. Uh, uh, With was it live audience again or is it no because it was well because it was the it was COVID COVID so it, right. it didn't, the COVID and and also we're old uh, so it's <laughs> less exciting to see old people in front of us. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was actually an internal argument. Was like some of us wanted wanted to go all film anyway, just because we like we were in, we towards the end of the TV s- series, we were drifting into more uh, film pieces than live pieces. Yeah. Just because we just enjoyed making them more, um, but uh, but a big deal. We just couldn't have an audience, right? So this, might as well. This might be a weird question, um, but the whole group seems so incredibly dynamic. Just, I mean, in, in individual characters, everyone can play. How did you guys even figure out? Just because, I mean, it's a wildly talented group of in, individually, even if you took everyone out individually. How'd you guys decide your strengths? Like, oh, this is better at, like, you know, Bruce McCullough is better at playing children or something weird. You know what I mean? Like, the weird 
Yep. Was it a fr- kind of a free-for-all? It was well, mostly a free-for-all, but it was, you know, really decided through the writing. You know, it was right. like, uh, and, uh, you know, and which pieces you were able to get past the other four guys. So, okay, sure. yeah, so, you know, uh, Bruce could get, you know, the Gavin character past the rest of us, you know? Yeah, you just have whereas, to make everyone laugh. Yeah. As he's yeah. pitching, yeah. Yeah, whereas maybe nobody else had a character like it that anyone liked, you know? Sure. So it was all everything. Everything was always just based on uh, getting it through the filter of the other four guys. No, no, totally. I just I always found the show so interesting in that everyone could play everything. Unlike maybe an SNL where you have specialty actors, you know. Yeah, well, um, uh, well, I guess part of the the I guess part of the uh, the fun and the restriction of of only having the f- five guys. Yeah. And and the notion that we're a you know we're a band that you can't replace people and you can't bring in you know guest stars, right? Right. You know, so there was there was never you know, you know I think uh, you know Billy we, Preston. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't have a Billy <laughs> Preston. We very occasionally would have guest actors, very rarely. Yeah. And we have, we do cool. have some guest actors in this the the upcoming shows, but but it's pretty uh, uh, you know we have some cameos from from friends that were shot remotely. And we also have, like, Eddie Izzard is in an actual sketch. Oh, cool. That's and cool. And Catherine Reitman is in an actual, is, and Colin Mockery. Those, I think those are the only three. Um, oh, Jay Baruchel is in an actual sketch as well. Oh, cool. And then we have a bunch of friends doing sort of cameo pieces remotely. Uh, so that's May 13th? May 13th, yeah. Uh, well, all right. We're telling everybody. I, uh, yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait, yeah. So can't look out wait. on your doorstep. Yeah, yep. look out. Yep. Some, yep. Somewhere between well, like 8 a.m. and noon. You can track it. You can yeah. track, you can and track see it. You can track the yeah. episode. And a lot, of them are being, a lot of them are being stolen from, from people's <laughs> students. Yeah, so, so make sure you have a, some sort of ring light or something. Yeah. Something. Um, wow. Uh, you, you know what else has been delivered uh, to our doorsteps potentially? Hmm? What's that? The five bases that store information in DNA and RNA. Well, that's, a very, oh. that's a very professional segue, Matt. The, Thank all you. right. Well, what is that? A, a bunch <laughs> of people have sent in this story. I know Justin Braw sent in a version of this story, but I'm going to read the one from Science News because I think it's a little, little clearer. Um, so all the the five the five letter bases of nuclear bases of DNA and the, RNA. The nucleotides. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so uh, adenine, uh, guanine, cytosine, thi- and thymine, which are the ones in DNA, and then uracil, which is the which you only find in RNA combine with sugars and phosphates to make up the genetic code of all life on Earth. Whether these basic ingredients for life came from space or instead formed in a warm soup of Earth-y chemistry is not known, but the discovery as to evidence that suggests life's precursors potentially came from space, say the researchers. They've, um, they've now found all five of them in various meteorites mm. at various times. They've detected bits of adenine, guanine, and other organic compounds in meteorites since the 60s. Researchers have also seen hints of uracil, but cytosine and thymine remained elusive until now. You've probably seen them written as like A, G, um, C, and T, and then uh, U. Um, yes. Gattaca. Yeah. Gattaca. <laughs> so we've completed the sets of all the bases found in DNA and RNA and life on Earth, and they're present in meteorites, says, says astrochemist Daniel Glavin of NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center. A few years ago, geochemist ya- uh, uh, Yashihiro Oba from Hokkaido University and colleagues came up with a technique to gently extract and separate different chemical compounds and liquefied meteorite dust and then analyze them. Our detection method has orders of magnitude higher sensitivity than that applied in previous studies, says Oba. 
three years ago, the researchers used the same technique to discover ribose, which is, which is a sugar needed for life in three meteorites. In this new study, Ober and colleagues combined forces with astrochemists at NASA to analyze one of those three meteorite samples and three additional ones, looking for another crucial ingredient of night of life, nuclear bases. The researchers think their milder extraction technique, which uses cold water instead of the usual acid, keeps the compounds intact. We're finding this extraction approach is very amenable for these fragile nuclear bases. It's more like a cold brew rather than making hot tea. Hmm. So, so it's also more potent, I guess, and it's like, you know... It's extremely, esoteric, it's extremely esoteric, but I feel like this should be bigger news. Mm-hmm. That I'm, all the ingredients of life have been found in a meteorite. Well, I'm trying to figure out how to get back to that article because I can't figure out how Tabs works in Google Chrome. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm still on the CBC page. Uh, like, I can link again. I don't know if uh, you click on it again or are you still sort of... I'm, st- I'm on the wrong page. A wash but it does sound very... Tabs. It is very interesting what you were I'm saying looking. that I couldn't follow. Yeah, well, it, it, I guess it sort of shows one of two things. It either shows that all of the ingredients for life could have come from space, yeah. or it also potentially shows that they can be formed easier than we thought they could, and so they could equally have been formed on Earth. Um, yes, or, the, yeah, he, or that as they, yeah, that maybe life didn't, like panspermia, the idea that life actually traveled uh, fully realized right. on meteorites, but maybe if, if it's a form of panspermia or just, yeah, that the uh, raw materials have been traveling easily throughout the universe. Totally. All, on an atomic level, all of those bases are, I think, just combinations of carbon, hydrogen, and nitrogen, right? I, not, not that I knew this. I was just looking up them one at a time. But um, in, in which case, those aren't very heavy elements, and it's not that crazy. Oh, I guess, and oxygen. Um, yeah, I mean, it does seem inevitable after enough billions of years that's and and extreme temperature like autoclave temperature fluctuations that some of them would bond it just what does the autoclave part mean to to create a chain for them to start bonding to to start making a basic uh a a basic rna strand or something Mm -hmm. just forming seems inevitable if those ingredients are present i mean you got to think how many chemical reactions are happening on a whole planet over billions of years in like volcanic mm-hmm. level pressure changes? I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, because then they, they're skipping like that life occurred on Earth pretty much the instant it was possible. Like the first primitive life forms. So it wasn't Is like it, there, there wasn't a huge gap between the molten planet Earth and life starting. Right. Like, it pretty much as soon as liquid water formed on the Earth, life started. So it's sort of unreasonable to think that that would be the only time it's happened anywhere. Yeah, if it's that easy for it to happen. Right. Like, unexplainable still to us exactly how it happened, but apparently happens inst- almost instantaneously. I mean, from the first life forms to anything interesting, or more interesting to us, is billions of years, you know. Right, right. But, uh, but the, initial, the initial start was just like... Very, very, like, in the, I guess in the hundreds of millions of years? Um, in, in terms of just, like, the simplest? Yeah, the life? first single-celled. I think it was still billion. So Earth's about, and I know this Four because uh, Matt, Matt and I did a, a, a science show early COVID that was a, a celebrity substitute, it was called, and we had people like Bill Nye zoom in with a science teacher to give a guest lecture for a high school class. So the Bill Nye episode, he was talking about this analogy that's useful to think of... Um, 
if you stretch out, if you think of the, the a, a walk across America as the history of the planet, the four or four and a half billion years, and then yeah, like if you were to draw a time, if you were sort of to draw a timeline of the entire existence of Earth onto the map of America on a walk from California to New York, where would you giving, be when life the started? Places, yeah, the, exactly. The different cities you'd be in when, and I believe the uh, the first life was within the first billion of those four billion years but yeah. obviously it was a long long time of just well then i was cell. right with when i said hundreds of millions oh yeah yeah i think it was within a billion years that yeah. something happened right. and then like to get to complex so we can all agree that you'd be in vegas i mean we're all yeah. agreeing that <laughs> yeah. that's where you yeah. that's where life would be yeah and yeah. it's amazing we got past there really <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard and then you get stuck in that traffic afterwards. You just want to stop at the outlet uh, mall and prim and wait it out. Yeah. Well, let's, let's face just, it. Four days in Vegas and you just want to kill yourself. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it is definitely true that somewhere around Vegas, there is a, a, a pool full of DNA. Uh, <laughs> which, uh, I, believe, I believe it's called the town of Pahrumpf. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I'm no stranger to the lifestyle. <laughs> The ranch life? What do they call it there? I don't know. The, yeah, the bunny ranch? Yeah, I don't know what they would call it there. Mm-hmm. It's a... Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah we, I mean... We've had other guests on. We've had an astro astrobiologist, as in somebody who studies the conditions that would be necessary for life elsewhere in the universe. And uh, some pretty smart people are of the yeah. mind that it's You know what else they night. call that field of study? Guessing. Yes, mm-hmm. but... <laughs> But it's also looking at these same processes and making estimates about how the numbers would work out. And there are some very smart people who say it's basically a 99.999% chance that life does or has existed somewhere else. It doesn't mean we're ever going to hear from it or anything, but like yeah. the chances that it only happened here and only this one time is just infinitesimally small. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think that's, I, I mean, I think that's being universally agreed, though, amongst the yes. uh, is pod. It universally Well, agreed? no, there are. Amongst no, the podcast, there, there, there yes. are. Well, there are scientists yeah. who argue that life might be much harder to form, might be much more rare than we think, mm-hmm. and might be uh, 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 extremely uh, uh, scant in the universe. Uh, but I think most, I, think, I do think, yeah, the majority of, of, of researchers think that it's probably ubiquitous. It's probably somewhere. Well, yeah. even if it's scant, it's just yeah. the binary of has it happened somewhere else or not. And, yeah, and I think, I think yeah. most likely, yeah. Well, the idea the idea that something could happen once and not t- more than once seems uh, it's also abs- pretty, crazy. pretty much impossible. Yeah. Hey, you, you know? don't know my ex-wife. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, don't, I don't either. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, it just felt appropriate. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no one's judging. Yeah, except that ex. Except no, the ghost, uh, the ghost of Ronnie Dangerfield is. Yeah. is yeah. <laughs> I took her to Pahrumpf one time. She hightailed to the desert. Um, <laughs> so poor grown up, he used to go to orgies just for the grapes. <laughs> Sorry, that's just my favorite Rodney joke. <laughs> that's a great joke. I, <laughs> I hadn't heard that one. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> he 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 has some very good jokes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, well, yeah, that, I feel like that should be bigger news about the the thing that uh, is strange to me. Um, this is related, but perhaps not. It's more just existential. Is it seems to me that um, God, the idea of God, no matter what you believe, you know, mm-hmm. is is to 
has, has always served the function of explaining things we have not yet explained, you know? Yes. Uh, I think we all know that, right? So yeah. there was a god of the sun, and then we figured out what it was, and we're like, ah, fuck that guy. God, so, so God, you would say God, and I think I'm correct here, God is a measurement of ignorance. Sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's things we don't yet know. And it's yeah. interesting to me that we collate all of those things into one being. So for, for instance, this hypothetical God uh, has the answers to where we come from and what happens after we die. And it's extremely funny to me that if there was a God and they came to earth or something, they would still not know one of those things. Yeah. Like, uh, we're like, where do we come from? It's like, I don't fuck it. Why are you asking me this? Yeah. Um, you <laughs> I also kind of put myself in the position of God where every day he just keeps saying, oh, oh they learned that. OK, well, what, what do I still do? <laughs> right. Like like when a guy finds it, like his old job is just being replaced by machines. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I used to it used to be a skilled job to build cars and now it's just an assembly line. Yeah. All I'm doing is now checking screws. Well, I, I think it's a Stephen Hawking quote that said uh, the, based on our knowledge of the universe, you know, if there is a God, does he have a job? <laughs> sure. I, I mean, it is a very I, I do think it's a very deadbeat God we're dealing with, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. it's just, it's funny to me to assume because like, I, I suppose like where all life comes from and then yeah. where your, you know, hypothetical soul would go post-mortem. It's funny to assume that the same being would have that answer when they're, they're so unrelated to me. Why yeah. would they be unrelated? Well, because they're they're I mean, why would they be related? Well, if, if, if it's all creation. But why is what happens after we die related to the creation of life? Well, because uh, life is created to house souls. It okay. seems like if you're making Theologically. A, Theologically. Yeah, Theologically, I get it. But I'm saying just scientifically. Let's say, let's yeah. say scientifically God descended. And we're like, ah, okay, there's a God. It would just be hilarious to me if he's like, yes, there is a heaven. You come here when you die if you've been nice. And then, like, where do we all come from? He's like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. Why would I know that? That's insane. Uh, don't ask me that. <laughs> I'm just the after guy, not the before guy. Like, that's yeah. Why would the after yeah. guy and before guy be the same guy? Oh, well, okay. I see well, then you're, you're you're falling into pantheism. So, well, I get accused of this daily, Dave, for falling into pantheism. <laughs> I, I can't even go to the gas station. Yeah, they won't serve them at Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pantheist. And I, they say, Jesse, really, the, the pandemic's been rough on everyone, but Jesse's fallen yeah. into pantheism. Yeah. Well, that's basically what happened, you know, to Catholicism was that they, they, you know, they decided, OK, we all have one God. But then they started thinking, oh, come on, one God couldn't take care of everything. Tell you what, <laughs> let's start pumping out some saints. Sure. <laughs> sure. OK, yeah. Yeah. Let's put some angels in charge of a few things. Um, God can't do everything. Someone explain Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah. What can't this guy do? <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? Are, are you just trying to pump mm. your Tesla stock back up again, Andy? Please let that Tesla stock come back up again, please. For the why would it? Why would Twitter affect the price? What's going on? Wait, what happened to the Tesla stock? It went down like fifteen percent when he bought Twitter. I'm like, these aren't related. Get back well, to your. Well, it's because he borrowed forty-four million dollars against his okay. stock. <laughs> but, but isn't forty-four billion dollars? I'm sorry, yeah. he borrowed forty-four billion dollars against his own stock. But hasn't the FEC fined him quite a bit for pumping stock on Twitter? 
Yeah, he, I think like, you just like can't the Tesla like, valuation is like 150 times, and like Ford and Chevy's like eight. Like it's an yeah. in, it's an insane valuation that is very hype driven. It is, but the stock market is just a perception machine. Like, I mean, yes, but oh, yeah. lots of companies that it, stock market is totally irrational. There's yeah. no there's it's the the fact that we put such faith in it, but it is an absolutely irrational system. Yeah, I mean, I don't under I don't I don't understand any of it. Um, and human beings aren't even controlling it anymore. Everything's done in microseconds, so it's. Yeah, it's amazing. It's uh, for the even though it does have a crash every like ten to twenty years, it's amazing. It's as stable as it is, given how little we know about what's then, actually I, happening. But then yeah. also, just to, from what you were saying as well, the, the the bit I can kind of understand it a bit when it's related to companies that may or may not be doing better. But when it's commodities, and I can understand like if, if there's a good or a bad sugar crop, but then from day to day, like oh, sugar's doing better today. I have so little I mean I'm so little ignorant on economics anyway but that just seems absurd to me they're just like oh I guess I guess wheat did well today so for for years you know when you're at a restaurant and something is is listed as market price for years I didn't know it meant what it cost at the market that day I thought it meant like stocks Uh (laughs) I I thought it would be possible that halfway through your lobster it's suddenly five thousand dollars if there's like if some lobster news comes out and you're just screwed. <laughs> there was a, there was a lobster market crash during your meal. I'm sorry, sir. You have to I give us your house. I think there is a bar. I th- think there is there's a bar somewhere that does that with beer and there's like a beer stock market for like the different beers and the prices go up and down. As and, as, yeah. as, as a supply yeah, that's the gimmick. changes or it's just sort of a random fun? No, like the time that you buy it is just you could you go like okay, cool, I'm going to buy this this IPA right now at this price. This seems good. I'm going to go to the bar right now and get it. But, so yeah. I mean, when the, when the prices fluctuate, they just do it randomly, or is it based on? No, I think it's based on sales and based on. Okay. Yeah, but sales and like sales in the stocks though are driven just by, uh, by random human choices. It's almost like the way like, Vi- like yeah vibes. Yeah, it's like a vibe based yeah. economy. <laughs> like a flock, like you know, it's like a flock of starlings. You know, looks like it's you know functioning in in synchrony, but it's really just. A, a very quick micro adjustment of every starling to the one next to it. Right. right. And you that's just kind of how, a couple, how the stocks like, work. That game, I don't know how many of us played, it's not even a game, but is it just called Life? That thing with the different cells that turn on and off based on simple rules and then crazy patterns emerge even though the, the rules were... Is that what it's called? Life? No, that's a know. cereal. Revolution? That's a cereal, Andy. Genesis? Yeah. Superior Genesis? cereal. I don't know. Uh, but no, I, it is. It's I'd Conway's like Game it. of Life. You're, yeah, Conway's... Uh, Mathematician Conway came up with a yeah it's I, I can't remember exactly the rules but you it's like a series of you know tiles and you you start off with a position of shaded tiles and then there are a set rules of like whether um each iteration whether uh a new square appears or disappears depends on what's near to it so if it's like surrounded by three then it disappears and if it's got one next to it then it, a new one appears and these these out of this sort of semi-random seeming thing, different shapes and patterns and regular things appear. Sounds- I just put a link to it. Just click on that link and you can press start. It's it's set up right now to have um, this. Yeah, if if it had, let's see, what are the rules again? Um, if if a yeah, cell, so, if a, yeah. uh, each cell with no with one or no neighbors dies, as if by solitude. Each cell with four or more neighbors dies, as if by overpopulation. Each cell with two or three neighbors survives. So you can just click a bunch of different cells and then click start. That sounds. They sound like Donald. Is it Donald Hoffman's? 
evolutionary models? The guy who's the guy who's putting forward the theory that you know that uh, we are evolved not to perceive reality, not to perceive it. Yeah, that What's actually the that there's actually a, there's a there's it, that actually perceiving reality reality as it really is would be detrimental to our our, our evolutionary fitness. Hmm. Uh, so, so it's actually we're excluded from reality by our evolution. And he did a lot of basically uh, to do. models his, like that. To read oh, yeah. His theory states that perceptual experiences do not match or approximate properties of the objective world, but instead provide a simplified, species-specific user interface to that world. Yes. Mm. Argues that conscious beings have not evolved to perceive the world as it actually is. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, if you were to perceive like the quantum reality of the world, you would be eaten almost immediately. Right. For perceiving it? Yeah. So oh, instead oh, we've evolved to would, perceive would, the world in a way that maximizes fitness payoffs. Yeah. Right. So you wouldn't be able to perceive dangers and predators. You would, you know, if you were like inundated by the information of what the universe really is. Okay. I thought, I thought it was more based on linear things like um, pattern recognition and things for our, like, we have things that are for our survival that don't necessarily represent reality. Because I think yeah. if, if we knew how chaotic it all was, we never would have invented agriculture. Yeah, and that's apparently all that we have. We don't have, we don't have anything, like his theory is that we just have, we have no uh, perceptual awareness of reality. That all we have is just... Um, constructs that... Constructs that, that make it easy to stay alive and find food and, and fuck. Sure. That sure. We have survival. Sense. Yeah. Survival mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you and he know, calls it multimodal user interface theory. Yeah. S some say that time is a construct, and May thirteenth, you can watch Kids in the Hall. You get that on Prime. <laughs> uh, Dave, where where can uh, where can the listeners find you elsewhere, aside from Prime on their doorstep? Well, my home address is. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you, you'll, you can find me wandering around New York now. Uh, what else? I'm on. I'm on the Twitter. Uh, I'm on Mr. Musk's uh, town town square. <laughs> oh, what's your, what's your Twitter? Uh... Is uh, Dave? Is it Dave? Dave S. Foley. <laughs> I think I might. It's Dave S. At Dave S. Foley. Excellent. I believe it is. I oh, just yes. double checked. Yes, that. there I can't it is. Yes. Now. And um, I guess I'm also on uh, on um, the Instagram. But I rarely ever use it, uh, except to tell people their their kids look good. <laughs> people that you previously knew. Yeah. Oh, right. right. Yes, yes. I've I've found, I've found that's a problem when I'm out and about. But you know, I suppose. Yeah. If you're... <laughs> um, you you can find us as always at Probably Science on Twitter individually at Andy T Wood at Josie Case and at Matt Kirshen. Probably Science at gmail.com is the email address for any questions, comments, clarifications, stories you want us to cover. And also probablyscience.com is where we share all of the episodes and also the show notes and the links to all the stories we covered. Uh, Dave, mate, thank you so much for uh, joining yeah, us. Thanks so and much. It's been yeah, great. That was a blast. Thank you. And, this yeah, was fun. Can't wait for May, uh, May 13th, Kids in the Hall, new season. Hope you enjoy it. We will. Bye. No, Bye. 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 Bye.